celebrity Let your weary mind be free And someone kind of famous who you can't see It's time for sleeping with celebrity Hello, sleepyheads. This is Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. If you're unfamiliar with me, well, that's okay. I'm a journalist, interviewer, podcaster. I've made a living having fascinating conversations with people in the limelight, comedians, authors, musicians, actors, celebrities. But now we're going to try something new. My guests are going to step out of the limelight and walk towards the nightlight. In other words, guests on this show are here to help you relax, to get you in a place where if sleep is going to happen, it can happen. They're not going to be bringing their A game. They're bringing their Z game. And with that, it's time to get ready for bed. Now, are you getting comfortable? If not, let, let me help you. Just go ahead and listen to your body and feel where it wants to go. Get into a good, relaxing position. Feel where your body wants to sink in a little bit. And while you're doing that, I'm going to introduce our guest. He's a comedian. He is an actor. He is a beloved figure on podcasts the world over. He's our friend Andy Daly. Hi, Andy. Hello, John. How are you? I'm relaxed. I'm getting more relaxed. I'm getting yes, to be in a good place. I am too. I I feel on the verge of sleep just from your intro. But I know that I I'm my goal is to stay awake. Yes. It's not celebrities sleeping. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that special liminal zone. Mm. But first but first a word about another show on the Maximum Fun Network. Dead Pilots Society brings you comedy pilots that networks bought but never made. Shows that you cannot see or hear anywhere else. Why? Because they were too good for television is why. The pilots come from the top writers in television. Writers like... Adam McKay, Genji Cohan, and John Hodgman. And they feature actors and comedians you love, like Patton Oswalt, Maria Bamford, Tony Hale, Tiffany Haddish, Molly Shannon, Will Forte, Rain Wilson, Carrie Mulligan, and hundreds more. Dead Pilots Society also brings you in-depth conversations between Andrew Reich Emmy-winning showrunner of Friends, and the creators of The Pilots, giving you insider insight into the creation, selling, and development of television comedies. And now it's time to climb into bed with Andy Daly. Mm. Andy, are you comfortable? I'm very comfortable, yes. Thank you. Good. Tell us, if you could, exactly what we're going to be talking about tonight. Well, most of the people who live in my neighborhood have a gardening crew that comes around once a week. And mm. uh, I used to 
but I decided that I would enjoy doing that work myself. And so that's something that I do every week. I set aside half a day and uh, I do yard work. And I thought I would talk the listener through the regimen. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Mm -hmm. By way of getting to know you as a sleeper for mm. our audience, what's the best night of sleep that you've ever had? I will tell you, my in-laws uh, had for a time in their apartment in Chicago a Murphy bed uh, mm. that would come down from the wall and I don't know what it was. I don't think it had anything to do with the fact that it was a Murphy bed, actually. But what it was about that bed exactly, that when I got into it, I fell asleep and uh, never wanted to get out of that bed. And so when I think of the best night's sleep I've ever had, I think of that that bed and those visits to my in-laws uh, and that just sleep that I never wanted to end. I slept and slept hours and hours. Was it a product of how comfortable you felt around your in-laws, or was it a product of the bed itself? It was partly a product of being out of town and having no household responsibilities and having other people around to look after our children and just mm. feeling like there's no pull out of this bed, which allowed me not only to stay in bed, but to stay asleep. My wow. brain at no point said, get up, you have responsibilities. Mm. Do you always sleep in the same position? I do. I sleep on my right side uh, it, because when I, have, when I try to sleep on my left side, I'm aware of my heartbeat in a way that I'd prefer not to be. Oh. Isn't that interesting? I yeah. sleep on my right side. Are there techniques that you've found that are uh, for for getting to sleep that uh, have worked for you over the years? Yes, I actually this podcast will be perfect for me because uh, I put on headphones and I listen to these days. I'm listening to the BBC World News Report, which mm. even when events in the world are extremely exciting it manages to be nice and boring it's often played on public radio stations overnight mm -hmm. and it's it comes in handy in those experiences okay andy mm -hmm. you live in glendale california which is a suburb of los angeles located between burbank and pasadena so you're between Disney headquarters to the west in Burbank and the Rose Bowl Parade to the east in Pasadena. And now that we have that location in mind, tell us about your yard. So there is a front yard and there are side spaces and there is a backyard. And the front yard is, is moderate in size. The side spaces are one of them very small, the other substantial, and the backyard is uh, pretty, it's a hefty backyard. What kind of landscaping uh, comes with the territory here? Yes, well, that's, that's part of it. Most of this is not landscaping that 
mm. my wife or I would have chosen. It was, uh, and we've been in the house seven years, so it is, it's an interesting experience to maintain something that I, I don't really want there, but it's, I, it's fine. What are the things that you don't want there? Day lilies, mm. uh, which expand and expand and worse than that, uh, running bamboo, which, uh, there's no way to be rid of it. Um, so what is running things, bamboo? Well, it's, you know how bamboo grows up straight out of the ground. Yes. Uh, this does that. And then it also runs through the ground to other areas where it will pop up and, uh, oh. and it wants to spread and spread and spread. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, that's, it's just a job. It's just a, it's just a weekly task to keep, keep things in check. That must be frustrating to try to manage the running bamboo. Yes, it is. And so we have our daylilies, we have our running bamboo. Mm-hmm. What are other plants that we, that we have when we see the Andy Daly yard? Well, if we start in the front yard, there are two olive trees, very old. And the only thing that they require, care-wise, is that at their base, they sprout these... Uh, I'd re- I really don't know what they are, but it feels like something the tree is doing. It's part of the tree, but there are these little little sprouts that they just need to be snapped off, actually. They look like baby trees. So I go around the base of the olive tree, and I, I snap off, sometimes with clippers, clip off the, uh, the little baby olive trees that are growing out of the base of this olive tree. Does it That's, make you sad? Not at all, because oh. there's something very unkempt about them when they come up. Mm. I like things to look nice and neat. Nice and neat. The olive trees also drop uh, leaves, which need to be raked up. Mm-hmm. They also drop olives. Oh, mm-hmm. how often do they do that? They do that in the fall, and it feels to me like thousands of olives. I was watching this show on Netflix, mm-hmm. the uh, salt acid um, heat. I'm forgetting one of the four words that make up the title of the show, which is also actually the name of a cookbook mm-hmm. of the same name. The The host and author, Samin Nusrat, mm-hmm. uh, travels the world visiting regions, different regions known for their culinary appeal. And in one of the episodes, she visits an olive grove in Italy and an olive grower mm-hmm. or oliver took her step by step through how they make the the olive oil and the, yeah. the pressing and everything and i imagine myself becoming a gentleman olive grower with a grove of my own mm-hmm. maybe five ten trees and i'd make my own olive oil and then i would gift small batches to friends it turns out that, that the climate in Minnesota is, is inhospitable. The, the olives cannot produce olive oil. Um, so my dream was shattered. It was not to be. Do you find uh, that you can do things with the olives where you are? Are you able to collect and, and eat the olives? No. Uh, from what I understand, if you want to harvest olives... That has to be done while they're still on the branches. 
Uh, Once they have fallen to the ground, you don't want that olive anymore. One time I did snip off a branch that was full of olives and I picked off all the olives and I put them in a bowl and I said, let me see what I'm supposed to do with these. And by the time I did that, they were spoiled. So you have Mm -hmm. to act fast with olives. One thing about them too, if you're going to, let's say, brine some olives, you have to split them or smash them. Each individual olive uh, needs to be in some way punctured uh, Mm. or else the jar that you're brining those olives in will explode. What? Yes, it will explode. So the olives, if you pick them, you need to brine them, you need to you need to prepare them immediately. So if I have olives in a martini, if I have olives on a pizza, these are olives into whom a lot of work has already gone. Indeed. They have been harvested off the tree and they have been immediately uh, in some way punctured and then brined. Mm. Or, or pickled or whatever whatever exactly that process is. Do you like the taste of olives? I do. I love olives, yeah. In fact, uh, as a child, I was such a big fan of black olives uh, and ketchup. Those were my two big things. Interesting. That, mm-hmm. Uh, one year for my birthday, at a big birthday party in front of all my all my friends, my parents, who had been talking about the exciting gift they were going to be giving me for a while, presented me with the gift, and it was a can of black olives and a bottle of ketchup. And I did not, I did not really think that that was a good gift. And it turned out that they had gotten me something else, but ah, that was, yeah. it was a bit of a joke at the expense of the birthday boy. But the point is, I loved black olives. Are you the kind of dad that appreciates gifts of tools? Um, I would say so, but I, I can't think of a time when I have received a tool. I think the other members of my household are not, uh, aware of my needs tool wise to the extent that they Uh. trust themselves to choose something. Not for lack of trying, John. Can I tell you my favorite uh, tool that I have to work in the yard? I don't use it very often. It is, okay, imagine a, about a six-foot long right. pole that has a handle on it up at the top uh, that when you turn it, you can then pull a pole out from inside that six-foot pole oh. to get this thing up to maybe 18 feet in total. At the top of it is a, a blade attached to a long rope. So you can extend this thing up like 18 feet, hold the pole in one hand and the rope in the other hand, and use the rope to chop a high branch off of the tree. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. And have you used that on your own trees? I have. When I see a high up dead branch Mm -hmm. that's small enough to fit into the sort of snipping space of this device, I will use that. So 
we have a, your your yard. We have the daylilies and the running bamboo and the mm. olive trees. Is there uh, is there grass? There is. There's there's grass in the front yard. That's mm. that's doing pretty well. A corner of it is really uh, clovers, not grass anymore. Uh, there was a mole living there for a time, oh. and it, that destroyed the grass in that area. But the clovers took over, and from a distance, they look enough like grass that I'm not complaining. I mow this grass with mm. an electric mower. Mm. Um, a, a battery charging mower or one that you plug in? Oh, a battery charging mower. All right, then. I'm very frightened of the idea of having an electric cord running from your lawnmower as you're using it. Yeah. Have you had any experience with the push mower? Oh, so the, the acoustic mower. The yeah, the mower I have. unplugged. Yes. you mean I'm talking about the kind with rotating blades at the base. The right? cylinder with the rotating yes, yes. blades. Yes. I have. And um, it w- I found that impossible. I felt that I needed to be a much stronger person to get through the grass, which in Southern California tends to be a particular species of grass called St. Augustine. Hmm. which you'll also find in Florida. I guess it's uh, uh, it does well in drier climates, but it is really tough, strong stuff. I had a push lawnmower when I lived in Seattle. I'm originally from Seattle, mm-hmm. and I found that it had an archaic charm to it as if I was a little more back to the roots, a little more homespun than the gas powered or electric mower Mm -hmm. but all that this lawnmower provided me it didn't provide me with a trimmed lawn it provided me with sadness and frustration Mm. because it didn't really cut grass much Uh right yeah one thing about it that is either an asset or a liability i don't know is that it doesn't have any way of collecting your grass trimmings. Yes. It leaves it there. What's in your backyard if there's no grass? Well, there is an area that is meant to be grass. Mm. Uh, But it is mud because we have two dogs and they run around that area. And this, uh, this vexes me. I think it could end up being AstroTurf, although... I don't like the idea of covering the area with plastic. Yeah. So it is a bit of a conundrum. Uh, mm-hmm. There are olive trees in the backyard. There are daylilies in the backyard. Uh, there are, there's some other tree that acts like a shrub. What does that mean? Well, it's a, maybe it is a shrub. It's a, it's a, it has many branches that have many leaves on it, and so it presents a wall of green to you. But if you sort of go behind it, it's only presenting a wall of green on one side. Behind it, it is a tree. It's tree, mm. more tree-like. I, I don't know what kind of tree that is. So you've mentioned that a half day out of your week is devoted to the lawn care. 
Walk us through what it is Andy Daly is doing in his yard. Well, I also have a rechargeable battery operated uh, leaf blower. And I begin on our back porch by blowing leaves and in this time of year, olives off the porch uh, onto the hardscape where I sweep. So I switch between broom and rake gathering up all of the leaves and olives, depending on what kind of surface they're in. Uh, and I come up with, it tends to be five to 10 piles, which I then get a dust bin, handheld dust bin and brush. And I have a tiny, mm, it's like a three foot tall trash can. It looks just like Oscar the Grouch classic metal trash can, but it's about three foot. And uh, I go and I sweep all of my leaves and olives and whatnot into the dust bin thing. And then I pour that into the little trash can. And when that's full, I bring it to uh, this large uh, yard clippings barrel that the city has provided me with. And I do that for a while. Uh, I move from the backyard to the side yard and I do the same out there where there is, by the way, a massive bougainvillea going up the side of the house and that oh. drops so very many leaves, so very many leaves. Um, and then I move on to mowing. Andy, let me just stop you really quick here. Oh, okay. I have to tell you this fun bit of history about bougainvillea. Sure. My friends already know this about me, but bougainvillea is one of my favorite plants to say out loud. Bougainvillea. Uh -huh. It is said that the first European to see the plant may have been a woman named Jean Barré, uh -huh. a botanist. Mm -hmm. She was the lover and assistant to the botanist Philibert Commerson. Mm -hmm. And they accompanied the French Navy Admiral Antoine de Bougainville on a trip circumnavigating the earth. Mm. So this non-European plant got its name from Admiral Antoine. Mm -hmm. And also women weren't allowed on ships in those days. So Jean Barret had to dress as a man while on the trip. Oh. Anyway... <laughs> This is just a fun bit of history that I enjoy sharing whenever the subject of bougainvillea comes up. Now, Andy Daly, mm -hmm. before I interjected, you were about to tell me what you do after raking up the leaves. Uh-huh. I mow the front yard, and oftentimes one of my neighbors will, uh, will want to talk to me. I'm listening, by the way, this whole time on my headphones to podcasts. Mm. And uh, so I need to stop the mower and pause the podcast and, uh, you know, take the headphones off so that one of my neighbors can say, you're mowing your lawn yourself. Cause none of them do. And oh, I have a little bit of small talk. Does this, does this help your standing in the neighborhood or does it hurt your standing in the neighborhood? I feel that it probably hurts it a little mm. bit. 
uh, I think they wonder if I can no longer afford to employ a gardener. You know, I think they, it could also seem a bit challenging to them, Mm -hmm. like a little holier than thou. Yeah. Um, It is also the case that I don't necessarily do this on the same day every week. Uh, Oh. So there are times when the grass might, might get a little, a little taller than my neighbors would prefer. Why don't you do it on the same time every week? Things Things have a way of popping up in my life. I see. You know. The entertainment industry. Yes, exactly. I know I will find a half day every week to do it, but I don't always know what day that will be. Okay. So you've you've mowed the lawn at this point. You've mowed I, the front lawn. Mm-hmm. I go to the back where there is enough grass to mow in various places, so I do that. Okay. doesn't take very long. So now I have... I have uh, raked and swept leaves. I have mowed the lawn. Now is when I get out my battery-operated rechargeable uh, edge trimmer slash weed whacker. Mm. And this is the loudest item in my collection and uh, feels to me like the most dangerous. I don't love to use it, um, but it must be done. What do you whack? I go around the edges I go to the curb line and the driveway. Uh, And then in the backyard, the grass that is there uh, has has some clearly defined edges before they give way to planters with daylilies. Okay. Oh, and also there is a swing set in our backyard, and you really have to edge trim all around it. For for the children? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a swing set. Is is this swing set still in use? I know children grow and they can be fickle about things that they use. Um, oddly, I have a 15-year-old and a 10-year-old, and the 15-year-old mm. will put on her headphones and listen to, I'm not sure what, but maybe I think music, yeah. and swing on the swing set. Frequently. Mm, a meditative swing. It seems that way. Mm-hmm. Andy, I have a swing story to share with you about my daughter. But before I do, I want to tell you about another podcast on the network called Schmanners. Can I get a little music? I love a nice little guitar melody. Schmanners is a show about extraordinary etiquette for everyday occasions. Travis and Teresa McElroy talk about manners you didn't know to ask about and the historical role models you never heard of. They cover everything from tea parties to George Washington Carver to the history of absinthe and so much more. Check them out for all your historical etiquette needs. Manners? We say schmanners. Okay, my swing story. I have a daughter who is, she's now 20, Hmm. but probably for eight years or so, until very recently, would swing on a swing from a 
tree in our mm-hmm. backyard. Mm-hmm. And often far into a Minnesota winter, mm-hmm. she would still go out there. I sometimes had to dig a trench through the snow so that the swing could continue to operate, lest it be buried beneath the snow. And what made us nervous is that the tree, a Norwegian maple, Mm. was not in good shape. It was uh, rotting. It Mm. was old. Mm -hmm. Because trees can get old too. Yeah. And I would often fear that when my daughter was swinging on this swing, Mm. that the limb that the swing was was attached to would snap off and crush her Mm. or that other parts of the tree or the entire tree might snap off and crush all of us in the house. Mm -hmm. Did it ever happen? No, it never crushed all of us. But in the end, this past summer, we decided that it it needed to, to go away and we had the tree chopped down. And some guys came out, and they there was about eight of them, mm. and they had the equipment, and they had ladders, and they climbed the tree and started cutting it down limb by limb mm-hmm. from the top. That's a good way to do it. It's a good way to do it. And what I found, Andy, was that there were there was the guy doing the cutting. And he was also the the uh, the leader of the crew, mm. so he gets to do that, I suppose. Mm. There was a guy in charge of sort of catching the limbs or directing where they would fall, mm. and then there was about five guys who just stood there and watched. Mm. And I think that if it was up to me. That's probably the job that I would want on a tree cutting down crew. Oh, I was putting myself in the place of the employer when you were explaining that and thinking, are they being paid? Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently uh, I must have been paying them. Oh, you were the employer. I was, I had hired them to come out to get rid of the tree. Hmm. And so I... I, th- I think they had something to do with the taking the branches away to a truck or to a a, a, a grinder mm-hmm. um, in the back in the back alley where they turned the limbs into into um, mulch mulch. I watched these guys who were watching my tree getting fed into the the wood chipper, and of course it made me think of the scene in the movie Fargo where mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi is is stuffed into a wood chipper by Peter Stormer with the help of a log. Mm-hmm. Now, in the film, the wood chipper brand was called the Eager Beaver, mm-hmm. which is an analog to an actual wood chipper brand available for purchase at the time the movie was filmed called the Woodchuck. Now, the Woodchuck might still be on the market? I'm not sure. Uh, But if you see a chipper 
in Minnesota, at least for me, I always think of murder. Are there any things that make you think of murder? Oh, gosh. Things that make me think of murder. Yeah. I I can't think of something that any time I see it... Oh, except a hammer. A hammer? Mm Mm-hmm. I think a hammer is... I, I mean, I suppose you could say this about kitchen knives, but it's it's an item that is so useful around the house and so well-suited to murder. I think better than a large kitchen knife, actually. Mm. It's certainly more decisive than a large kitchen knife if you needed, if you needed to murder someone. Yeah, an easier and less chance of you yourself as the murderer getting hurt. Could you evaluate the tools that you use for your lawn and garden care Mm. in terms of their viability as murder weapons? Mm, It's not a good picture. Um, The rakes are flimsy. The broom is, is flimsy also. It's, it's, I suppose the handle is wood, but then there's plastic down there. It's going to take a lot of whacking before you yeah. get anywhere. The only thing, I do have a shovel. Uh, it's a serious shovel. Uh, oh, I also have a pitchfork. That Oh. Well, there you go. But I I don't really, I only use that when I'm churning the compost. Oh. Which I don't okay. do very often. So I would say, if I were outside in my yard and I yeah. had to commit uh, a murder, I think I would go for the blunt force of the shovel. The shovel. Mm-hmm. What about the lawnmower? Yeah. I mean, it can be picked. I can pick it up pretty easily. It's quite light. Yeah. Um, I think that would be the kind of thing where in a violent struggle, you would uh, throw it at your opponent to distract them. You'd need, you'd need your next move in mind. I'm not sure I'd be capable of murder using a lawnmower unless I practiced. I mean, for one thing, my lawnmower is is gas-powered, and it makes a lot of noise. So right away, I wouldn't have the element of surprise, Mm -hmm. which is so important if you want to succeed at murder. My target would need to have mobility issues or be gracious enough to stand still and or better yet, lie down. Yeah, lie down. What about the weed whacker? I don't know that you could... I don't know that that would be a fatal interaction. Yeah. You could nick somebody up pretty pretty bad. But it would, yeah. take, a, it would take a stroke of luck to sever an important enough uh, artery. I'd have to brush up on my anatomy before even attempting a weed whacker murder. Yes, and I don't I don't know that you would even be convicted that you would even be charged with murder. If you if you cause someone to be wounded uh and then sometime later because they did not get it treated. Yeah, that's on them. I think so. So you do this work in in your your front yard and your backyard. Mm-hmm. Do you refer to the backyard as the yard or 
do you anglophile it up and refer to it as the garden? Oh, no, I would never do that. Okay. Uh, a garden, I find that very confusing. Yes. British people speak of their yards as gardens. Uh, if you're not growing things, you know, yeah, vegetables, I think. Yes. If you go on a vacation and it's not a holiday, you can't really call it a holiday. Absolutely not. Yeah. And I think if you're, uh, you know, if you're ill, you need to go to the hospital. Right. Not just hospital. Yes. Yeah. Don't don't tell me you're in hospital. No. no go absurd. to at least go to a hospital. Go to a hospital. Yeah. What is your goal with the yard work that you're doing? Is it mm. to create something new or is it to maintain that which has been there? Mm-hmm. This is a good question. Week to week, the goal is to have an outdoor space that feels somewhat controlled and uh, um, not visually noisy. Mm. Um, what does that the, mean? Can you sit down and look at a space and not see things that need to be done? Ah. All right. That's... That's always what I want. Okay. Uh, but there is a long-term goal of having someone who is a professional in this world rethink everything. Oh, what do you mm -hmm. mean? I don't even know what I mean, but I mean we don't have any fruit trees, for instance. Shouldn't we have fruit trees? You are in Southern California. Exactly. Uh I don't want that bamboo. I don't like those date lilies very much. Let's let's get some new ideas. We can't. It's time to give up on growing grass where the dogs run. Mm. Mm -hmm. Are you then thinking in terms of hiring a consultant or mm -hmm. doing this reimagining yourself? I think I would never be good at it. I think it will involve hiring. A landscape professional. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who who does that kind of work, and what it strikes me when I see the work she does mm -hmm. is a lot of drawing mm -hmm. and not much getting out with plants. It's just a lot of paper and a lot of uh, colored pencils. Mm-hmm. I've seen some of what you're talking about. So, yeah. so this landscape person will come over and present very colorful drawings of what it could be. Yes. And then I suppose someone else goes to the plant store. I, 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 I just don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't, we might never know. The poet Rainier Maria Rilke once wrote, be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart. And try to love the questions themselves, mm -hmm. like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a foreign tongue. Yes. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions 
now. Who do you admire lawn-wise in your neighborhood? Mm. I very much admire people who are no longer attempting to keep grass alive. And so your goal is to, is it to have the kind of beautiful lawn as might be seen in the film Don't Worry Darling? Or is it to have something that looks consistent with the, the natural uh, flora of Southern California? Hmm. I think I would prefer the former, mm-hmm. but I think it's unrealistic and unwise. Uh, so I, I will have to get comfortable with the latter. Well, let me ask you about succulents. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your view of, of succulents. I, I see their utility. I think it's a, I get it. I think it's a good idea. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of succulents. They okay. seem to me like things that don't, uh, there's something unearthly to me about succulents. There's something from Mars, from Venus, from the world mm. of science fiction about succulents. I see. And cacti? Hmm. Yeah. Not a fan. Cacti don't want you to come anywhere near them. Why would I invite them into my home? When mm-hmm. when you've tried to get your family involved in the lawn care and it didn't work, what, what happened in those situations? Uh, there have been times when I have made the task of sweeping up olives sound fun enough to lure my 10-year-old out there with me. Uh, But once she's outside, which is a victory in itself, uh, there are enough distractions that she is doing those things. We have, for instance, a trampoline Mm. I didn't mention. Um, Oftentimes, I'll hand her a broom and find the broom on the ground and she's bouncing on the oh. trampoline, uh, which is fine. In her case specifically, she's very fond mm. of the couch. And in some ways we bought too, too comfortable of the couch because very hard to get her off that thing. I see. Now, Andy, you're a successful and famous person in the world of show business as an actor and a comedian You've worked with some of the biggest household names in comedy. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, of all the people you've worked with in Hollywood, who do you think would be best suited to lawn care? I can only think of people who would be terrible at it. Are you comfortable revealing their names here on Sleeping With Celebrities? Well, when you say household names, I think of uh, Will Ferrell and Will Arnett, mm. two people I worked with on uh, the film Semi-Pro. Yes. Um, I wouldn't put a lawn in the care of either one of those gentlemen. Why is that? Too distractible. Yeah. Both of them. I don't think you give either one of them a regular involved task that involves being alone. <laughs> And quiet. Conan O'Brien would be terrible. 
okay, but but isn't there anybody who could handle a garden? Who would be good? Who would be good at gardening? I'll tell you what. I have worked with John Lithgow, mm. and I have worked with Martin Mull. Uh, those are two gentlemen who I think would probably do a decent job. Lithgow, I feel like if you put Lithgow in charge of your yard, you might come back at some point and find that he's for, forgot about it. Um, but when it had his attention, he would do a wonderful job. He would fully commit. Mull, I believe yeah. so. Uh, I believe Martin Mull would be steady as a rock and serious and competent. Andy Daly, thank you so much for joining us here at bedtime and for guiding us off to sleep. We really appreciate it, mm-hmm. and good night. Good night. Sleep well. Well, sleepyheads, I hope you enjoyed learning about Andy Daly and his lawn and his yard as much as I did. Something I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things that I experienced or learned. And if you don't mind, I'm going to make a list of takeaways from my conversation with Andy right now, while it's still fresh in my mind. One, olives make for a funny gift to present to a birthday boy, especially one who loves olives. But a funny gift is not the same as a good gift. 2. Lawnmowers are best suited for yard work, not murder. 3. If you're casting a movie about an excellent landscaper, consider Martin Mull or John Lithgow. If you're casting a movie called Two Guys Named Will Who Can't Garden, consider Farrell and Arnett. Okay. I'm going to turn in. Thank you for sleeping with me and my guest, Andy Daly. Tune in next week for another star-studded trip to dreamland. You can follow Sleeping With Celebrities on Instagram at sleepwcelebs. We're on Twitter and TikTok at sleepwithcelebs. Our email is sleepwithcelebs at MaximumFun.org. This program was produced and edited by Laura Swisher. Swish. The theme music was created by the Winterbowers. Sleeping with Celebrities is a production of Maximum Fun and Papa Chick. I'm John Moe. Good night. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.